0: Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm so glad you're here. We're starting a new series called The Thank Tank. Everybody say The Thank Tank the thank Tank. it's a series to get us ready for thanksgiving uh, not not just to eat not just to trim us down so that we can eat all that we can but it's a series intended to make us thankful let me tell you this story uh, my wife recently went out of town it was actually she just got back on friday she went to a, a a women in ministry conference it's called leading in love and it's a phenomenal conference that she goes to every year has been going for the last i think last four or five years and uh, she it's it's hosted in vegas las vegas and i'm always questioning like Kate. Hey, are you really going to a conference or are you just playing the slots like while you're there? Like, what's really going on? But no, she, she tells me she goes. She's got pictures of her on stage and stuff. And, uh, but anyway, she goes to this conference and that means I'm on dad duty. So it's like four or five days where I'm with the kids and every single year since she's been going to this, I just get nervous. Like, I love my kids. Being a dad is one of the best things I've ever done. Uh, but I love being a dad with, with, with Katie. Like uh, So when she goes out of town, it's, it's, it makes me I get anxiety. I'm like, alright, I just gotta make sure that the kids are fed. And, and, and I enjoy cooking, but uh, one thing that I don't enjoy doing, I'll just be completely honest, is my son August has recently developed this habit. Uh, he, He loves Jesus, so he thinks he needs to wake up like he does in the morning and pray at 5 a.m. And and instead of praying, he's instead asking if I can give him food. So uh, August wakes up. He's been waking up for the last couple of months. That's why your pastor's so tired. Pray for your pastor. He wakes up at like 5 a.m. every single day, and he's asking us for food. So I said, you know what? Mommy's out of town, August. We're gonna try something. Uh, It's time for you to to earn your keep around here, dude. You're four years old. It's time for you to get a J-O-B. So I told him every morning, you wake up before 7 uh, you have a job. And he's like, what's that job? And he's excited about this because he's still at that cute age where work sounds fun. Uh, so, I, And then they hit high school and like, I don't want to work. Right? I don't want a job. Anyway, so um, August wakes up and I'm like, this is what your job is going to be. If you wake up before, we've tried everything to try to keep him in bed. You know, that alarm clock that changes colors to tell your kid it's time to wake up. Like we tried that. He's colorblind essentially, I guess. But uh, So August, we're like, okay, if you wake up early before 7 a.m., here's your job. I'll wake up with you. I'm going to put cereal in some bowls. I'm going to pour those bowls and I'm just going to leave them on that counter. And because once August wakes up, the, the entire, it's like a, it's like a spiritual gift of his. Once he's up, the entire house wakes up within an hour. So I told him, I'm going to put, leave them on the counter. I'm going to go back to bed, right? Because it's 5 a.m., dude. So I pour that cereal. I'm, I'm going to go back to bed. And it's your job to carry them to the kitchen table. Right? You, you get your ta- you bring it to the kitchen table, you get your brothers and you get your sisters, and you set the table for them, and when they're up, uh, the whole house will be up.? Right? He, so uh, he's like, "All right, I can do that. Dad. He's really excited about it. So the first morning I watch him, he does a pretty good job, and I go back to bed uh, the next morning. I'm like, you got it, dude. It's, it's on you. I'll pour that cereal. I'll go back to bed, and I'll, I'll just wait for your brother and sister to wake up. So I'm, I'm laying there, and I'm, and I'm trying to hear, like, just listen, right? Just that, that dad ear, right? I'm just trying to listen out of my left ear. Just one, not two, because then I'll be fully up. But just one ear, I'm listening, and I, and I hear him, the little patter, the pitter-patter of his feet, and he's going, ah. Oh! No, ah, no, no, and I'm just like, oh boy. I go up there and I see and he's got like three Cheerios and like a little drop of milk in that bowl and it's all over the floor. August has this, now he's developed this, this fear of spilled milk, and uh, he, you, know, you know that, that adage, uh, don't cry over spilled milk, uh, whoever said that never paid for milk, like, like dude, cry over spilled milk, that stuff is expensive, so I told August, it's alright buddy, we'll clean it up, uh, but now he's developed this this habit where every time he carries something, he's, he's super delicate, he's super just concerned, fixated on, on whatever vessel he's carrying, so after we went to Dragon City, because how many of you know whenever mom goes out of town, that's Chinese food is perfect, right? So, so I went to Dragon City, got some Chinese food, and I told August, August, can you help me carry this drink? It had a lid on it. And he's like, yeah, Dad, I got this. And he's just walking with this drink like this, super concerned, not trying to spill everything, anything. So August is not the, gra- the greatest at, at carrying containers with liquid in them. And you may be saying, you know what, pastor, I'm a pro. Like, you've never seen me at 5 a.m. carrying, like, I can carry three bowls of cereal. Like, I'm, I'm good at carrying milk. Your wife is hitting you right now. She's like, no, you're not. You're really bad. You miss all the time. Uh, but, but here's the thing. We may be good at carrying bowls of cereal or, 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 or a glass full of milk. But here's something that as we grow, we tend to lose the ability of. You and I are containers. And we have the ability to either fill ourselves with thankfulness or spill thankfulness. And I believe this morning God's desire for us as we kick off the thank tank, this new series, is for us to be individuals who are overflowing, positive, who are just doing a phenomenal job with thankfulness. That we can either spill thankfulness or we can fill ourselves with thankfulness. So by the end of this service, who show of hands, let's be honest, shame the devil, tell the truth, who says, you know what, there's room in my life for thankfulness. Right? Those of you who don't have your hand, let me ask you this question. How many of you would say there is no room for thankfulness in your life? No, nobody would say that. We could all grow in this area called thanksgiving. In life we are either spilling, everybody say spilling. We are either spilling or filling, say filling our thank tank. We're either spilling or filling our think tank. What does it mean to fill our thank tank? Well, uh, I would say this, these are the mindsets and the behaviors which lead to a significant increase in thankfulness. To fill your think tank means these are the mindsets and the behaviors which lead to significant increase in thankfulness. What, the exact oppos- opposite of that would be spilling our thank tank and this is the exact opposite which is uh, mindsets and behaviors which lead to a significant decrease in thankfulness. A decrease in thankfulness. Uh, some of you are saying, well, if, if I want to be more thankful, don't I just have to be more thankful? And I'm going to say this. Well, it's kind of like saying, if you want to be rich, can I just be rich? No, usually wealth, not usually all the time, wealth and riches are a reward of right discipline of right living. There are steps that you've had to take. You have to work hard. You have to earn. Uh, If you want to wake, you can't just wake up and say, you know what, in 2020, I'm going to set the goal. I'm going to be rich in 2020. No, you don't just wake up and do that the same way you don't wake up and be thankful. There are things and habits and disciplines and attitudes and mindsets that we need to take in order to increase in thankfulness. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's time to fill your thank tank. You guys are whispering. You're like, I don't want to hurt their feelings. <laughs> but here's the thing, we gotta take, got take responsibility for this. Um, there is a portion in the church, uh, in James, J- Jerusalem, James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, was, was writing to this church. He was leading this church. And, and they had this idea that whenever they would sin or fall short, when they would miss the mark that God had set, uh, whenever they would miss that mark, that, that it was either God was tempting them or, or it was like some spirit that came in and, and caused them to sin. And James is, is the theologian. He's trying to get them to start understanding that it's time to take ownership of our actions. So he brings them this beautiful passage. He says this, temptation comes... In James chapter one, verse 14 and 15, he says this, temptation comes from our own, some translations would say our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. Now those two words, entice and drag away, were words that the original hearers would have understood as hunting terms. Like It would be setting the the bait and, and fixing the trap. So he's saying this, we sin when our temptation that we all have Drags us away and entices us. These desires that we have, they give birth to sinful action. And now he's bringing the life cycle of sin. It starts with temptation, which everybody has. We all have temptations. And he says, when you give in to those desires, you're you're enticed and you're drawn away from them. And we need Jesus to change. And shifts are what entices and what draws us. But uh, he's saying, when you are enticed and dragged away, these desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, notice the cycle, it gives birth to death. We, he's talking about sin, and we could even make the argument that uh, showing unthankfulness or, or being unthankful uh, is, is, is borderline sin, if not sin. To, to walk with a heart that is not gracious and kind and is always feeling like it deserves this and that entitled, uh, that, that is not the attitude or the heart of Christ. And how do we get that well? We're dragged away, we're in Christ. So, so we have a responsibility, this series, to close the gap on unthankfulness. God wants to increase thankfulness in us. There was a study that I recently saw, a Harvard study by Dr. Robert Emmons, and he gathered about 411 people together and set them, broke them off into three different groups. Every single group was made up of men and women and different cultures and different... Uh, 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 financial capacities and and just different life stages and and the groups were broken up into group A, group B, and group C. Group A was told this, for the next 10 weeks, you have a responsibility. Every single day, at the end of your day, begin to write what you are thankful for about just that day. Like what was something great that that pleased you? Write about it. Group B, and and group A didn't know what group B was doing and no, no other group knew what they were doing. Group B was given this objective. At the end of your day, write down what you wish would have gone better. Something that maybe you could have done better or something that you wish your boss would have done differently or something that you wish. Just think about your day and write something that you wish would have, done, uh, would have been better. And then group C was the neutral group and, and they were just not given any assignment. They said, here's a pad and paper, draw some pictures if you'd like uh, at the end of your day. Do Do something. At the end of the 10 weeks, who do you think was healthier? Well, the findings... The reports came in, and Dr. Emmons, he set a hypothesis. He thought Group A would have been healthier, but he was blown away. In fact, we found out that at the end of the 10 weeks, Group A was substantially, substantially more optimistic. They felt better. They exercised more, and they, were, they went to the doctor less. They had some pre-existing uh, issues, but even, even that group still went to the doctor less. The result of this Harvard report told us this, that healthy people are not the ones that have the most, but make the most of what they do have. I'm gonna read that one more time. Healthy people are not the ones that have the most. They're not the ones that have acquired the most, who make the most money, but they are the ones who make the most of what they do have. Thankfulness. Appreciating what you've been given. You know, God has designed us to overflow with thankfulness. He has designed us to be so full of it that it's just bubbling out, We see this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 10. Look, Look what Paul is writing to the church there. He says this, and now, just as you have accepted Christ as your Lord, he's saying that's a great first step. Now that you have accepted Christ, your Lord, look what he says next. You must continue to follow him. Your relationship with Jesus did not stop the same way it started. Once you make a decision to follow Jesus, the job is not done You've just began. We are all, the moment we make a decision for Jesus to say, I'm gonna live for him, we are saying we are on process. We are in a system. So, so he's saying this, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. He says, let your roots, and this is what the process looks like. He says, let your roots, where you get your health and where you get your life and where you get your sustenance, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. He's our foundation. There it is again. Then, the result of that, of allowing your life to be rooted in Him and allowing your life to be built on Him, it's not just a decision, it's not just a feel good moment when Bethany's singing out on Majestic. Ooh, that was was good, wasn't that? Give Give it up for our worship team, they did a phenomenal job. But He's saying it's not just that one time experience. It's this continuation of being fed and being built, being fed and being built. And then he says this. This is the result of all of that from continuing along in that process. He says, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And what's the other result? And you will overflow with thankfulness. Listen, if you think that this series is going to be a practical how-to, uh, how, to, how to be a, a more thankful person. I'm here to just bring some correction to that notion, and it's this. Thankfulness does not start with a mindset change. It starts in Jesus. He's the one who increases us, our capacity for thankfulness. He's the one who develops us, who, who allows us to grow. In fact, if you were to study the scriptures, specifically the word thankful, there is a, 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 a first time we see it in the New Testament, and it's from the mouth of Jesus. We see this in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. The word thankfulness is the Greek word eucharisto. Uh, If you were raised in the Catholic tradition like I was, uh, it sounds like the word eucharist, which is the word that we use for er, communion. We see Jesus talk about thankfulness in Luke chapter twenty-two, nineteen, 19. And in fact, it's, it's just something that we oftentimes just read past. Look at it, it says here. And he took bread and he gave bread. What's that word? Thanks. Broke it and gave it to them, saying, and this is where we mainly throw our minds when we read that passage. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We've heard that before. We take communion at least once a month at MWC, or well, we're familiar with this passage. But one thing that we read over is that Jesus took this bread that already he had already known this was going to be a symbol of his body, and he broke it. But before he broke it, what did he do? He gave thanks. The word Eucharistos right there. You, the E-U, the, the prefix there means good. Caris is the word grace, and he's saying good grace. He broke the body, but before he said thank you. Now why? One thing that if you, if you follow the text, there's something that happens in this narrative. Jesus gives his disciples, they sing some hymns, and then they go to the garden, and what happens there? Someone's ear gets chopped off. It's a crazy story. I mean, it's, they, they go, I mean, they get gangstered out like it's crazy. Someone's ear gets chopped off. Jesus is the miracle. Jesus gets arrested. He gets dragged. He gets spat upon by the, by the judges that were there. They slap him, they mock him, they put him in a cell. They give him over to Pontius Pilate. He delivers a verdict. He gets flogged. He brings him before the people. Everybody is saying, crucify him. His disciples are ducking out, saying, deuces, Jesus, I'll see you later. He gets crucified. And yet this entire story started with him breaking the bread and saying, giving thanks. Why? Jesus knew what was to come. In fact, he foreshadowed it and spoke on it openly, told everybody that I'm being delivered. I'm, I'm being delivered over to the Jews, they will crucify me. I'm being, being delivered over to the Romans, they will crucify me. He brought this up multiple times in the text, but why did Jesus have the capacity to give thanks? It's because he knew something, that no matter what he is navigating, no matter what he is walking through, God is always worthy of praise, that God is always worthy of being thanked. And there may be moments where life is grim and scary, and you're just like, how am I gonna get out of here? But God is still bigger than our circumstances. He is worthy of thanks he is worthy of praise he knew what we read in romans eight twenty eight, where we see paul say this and we know that god works all things together all things together you may be in that together moment we're just like how is this going to work out but you better believe that he works all things together for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purposes if you have oxygen in your lungs you are called according to his purposes his desire is that you would love him. And you may be saying, Pastor, my life isn't working together. Well, there's a, there's a predicated word there, for those who love him. Not for those who are perfect, because none of us are. We've been perfected, and that's why we love him. Who surrender surrendered to him and say, Jesus, I don't know how this is working out. I don't know how this will work out, but I, I give this to you. Some of you are still trying to work yourself out of a situation. And Jesus is saying, come to me, bring this to me as we do, we can give him thanks because he's going to work it out. That's why he knew what he was accomplishing, that he was going to deliver and save the world. Amen. So there are attitudes and behaviors that can cause us to fill or spill our thank tank. This isn't a series on getting our mindsets right, but we understand that it starts with Jesus. It starts with surrendering, giving him our thoughts, giving him our mouths, giving him our actions. So today, I just wanna talk about in our few moments together, just the first, every single week, we're gonna bring a different different topic up, but today, I wanna talk about praise. Everybody say praise. Today, how do we fill our thank tank? One way that we begin to, to pour Thanks into our thank tank is by the attitude of praise. Everybody say praise one more time. You will overflow with thankfulness once you uncover the practice of praise. Once you uncover the practice of praise. So uh, what what does this word praise mean? It means literally this, to honor and ascribe worth. To honor and and ascribe worth. When you are are saying something is good, you are praising something. When you are saying, "Hey, this is worth this, this uh, I honor this," you are you are giving praise to something. All creation, in fact, I would say this: all nature produces praise. All nature praises God. We see that David acknowledged this. I mean, he was a, a shepherd boy who was on the Judean wilderness, the, the Judean hillside, and he saw beautiful, beautiful things of nature so, so much so that he was able to say this in Psalm 66, verse 4. He says this, all of the earth bows down to you. They sing praises to you. They sing the praises of your name. The word earth there in the Hebrew is not just talking about living humanity. It's talking about every piece Of creation, that the the, the lilies in the fields, the grass, the hills, the mountains, the volcanoes, everything. I don't know why I thought about volcanoes, but I did. Everything on earth praises your name. Everything. In fact, Jesus acknowledged this as he was making his way to Jerusalem. Um, before he was, you know, gonna, gonna be crucified, he, he made this triumphant entry. Every single Palm Sunday, we celebrate this time, and uh, Jesus is on riding a donkey. He's making his ascent to Jerusalem, and people are laying palm branches, and they're singing out, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means saves us, or "or God will save us, and they're just celebrating Jesus. They, they are identifying and worshiping him, saying he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God, and everyone is going crazy, like crazier than everyone's been going about Kanye's new album and the fact that he's, he Loves Jesus now, but everyone's going. That was a joke. You can you can celebrate that. I'm celebrating that. I don't care what anybody says. Can I just let me just get on a soapbox real quick before I? I'm celebrating this. Listen, some of us as Christians we wait for perfection. Let's celebrate the process. Let's Let's believe that God can do powerful things. So anyway, anyway, I, I have no shame in that. I'm not. You know, we still sing in Scripture. Like Scripture still have King Nebuchadnezzar's song, and He didn't serve, he didn't serve Jesus but we still have his song in scriptures. Anyway, let's keep going, let's keep going. I got a soapbox, I'm gonna step off of that. But Jesus, Jesus was being worshiped and praised like crazy and he's riding into Jerusalem and then the Pharisees begin to nudge one another and say, this is wrong we don't even know what his fruit are gonna produce. Like, they're just, they're, just, they're just throwing stones. Like, we don't, we don't even, this is wrong. Really, they were just jealous. So, so they go to Jesus and say, Jesus, tell your disciples to stop. And he responds with this. He says this, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into Cheers. And he's he's literally saying this like like like, theologians actually are torn on this like is he talking figuratively or is he talking literally like like if they stopped worshiping were the stones gonna shout out and start praising and just like get mouths like like veggie tails and just start singing the praises and like like singing majesty like Bethany was this morning Or, or or were they talking figuratively and I'm gonna say this it doesn't matter. Jesus said it, and, 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 and whether they were gonna do it literally or figuratively, I believe it, it was gonna happen regardless that all of creation, he was just making this claim, all of creation praises me. Whether people do or not, creation still does. I was created before the foundations of the earth, that means I've always existed, I'm the ancient of days. I was there at creation, I spoke things into existence, it all exists for me. I am preeminent before creation, that's exactly what he's saying. So he's saying, listen, all of creation worships me already. Friend, my second point is this. You, you were born with the ability to praise. You were born with the ability to praise. How do I know that? Because I've got toddlers, and I've taken them to Disney World, and I've seen them. I've seen how how their eyes just light up, and, and when they just marvel at something. Remember, we've said that praise means to honor. Biblically, the word praise means to honor or ascribe worth, and they honor the junk out of Disney World. Like, they just get so excited, and they're, they're, they're just passionate. They're running from place to place. In fact, uh, when we took our kids on the Buzz Lightyear ride, they get off. They saw Buzz in the distance taking pictures, and, and Aubrey, my, my, my daughter, she's, she's quiet. She talks a lot, but she's quiet. Anyway, uh, she screams from a distance. She's like, thanks for letting me ride your spaceship, Buzz! What was she doing? She was praising Buzz. She's like, thank you, Buzz. It was an honor to ride on your spaceship. We are born with the ability to praise. But then we get old. And we get burnt. And we get disappointed. And we get frustrated. We get burdened and broken down. And then we begin to say, I will only praise when something is worthy of my praise. Friends, we need to be people who understand something. He is worthy of praise all of the time. No matter what you are doing. As I was studying for this, I felt like the Lord was, was very clear. He's, some of us, we praise God after the results of our prayers and not during the fervent requests of them. What would happen if we shifted our praise from from after the result to before the request, or as the request is coming out. Well, God, you're deserving of the praise. Whether or not you fix my, my relationship, whether or not you provide, God, you are still worthy of my praise. And I guess what, I know you always provide, so even if you don't, you're still working something else out. Let's stop being people that only praise God when the results are favorable. But let's be people who say, God, you are worthy of my praise because you're working something out. You're doing something. I am finite. I don't know the beginning from the end, but I know you do. And you can work all things out. So if I'm in process, I'm still going to praise because you're worthy of it. Because you're worthy of it. So what is the third point? It's this. We must point our praise because he's worthy. The first thing is all creation praises. The second thing is, is that you were born to praise, but, but just because you were born to praise, now we need to point our praise in the right direction. Do you know how I know some of you praise on Sunday? Because I see your Facebook status is when the chiefs are doing good. Everyone is born to praise. We praise Mahomes and we should. He's an incredible athlete. He's a phenomenal athlete. But the level of praise that we give him versus the level of praise we give Jesus are on two different levels. There's two definitions of praise or two forms of praise. There's worship and there's honor. You can praise people, you can honor people, but we worship Jesus. We honor and worship Jesus. So we point our praise in the right direction. Did you know there was a people group in Scripture that followed Jesus? Theologically, they they aligned themselves with Jesus, but they didn't give him praise did you know that there was believers of Christ in Scripture who, who aligned to the very, every single dot of every theological point that Jesus had? They believed he was the Messiah, but they didn't offer him praise. In John chapter 12, we see this in verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, many of the leaders believed him. They believed in him. They believed his miracles. They believed he was the son of God. They believed he was the Messiah to come. But because the Pharisees, but because of the the other leaders in in, in the group, because of those who held power in the temple, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. Some of you don't praise Jesus because of fear of what you may lose. I know some of you, want to praise God, you come to service and you're just like, well, I don't want anybody to think anything about me, so I'm just going do to this, do this thing here. Can, can we just be honest? Like, let's just allow Scripture to define what praise and worship is. Every single time you see in the Old Testament the word halal, which is praise, it is always followed by a voice or an action. It's, pray, I'm trying to say something. Lifting up your hands during praise and worship is biblical. It's not something that we do to get an emotional high. This is a, an, a, this is a theological proof. Like we are supposed to lift up hands and to sing out. And some of you will be saying, well, I'll do it when, when it's my jam. When it's the right song and I, I get the feeling and, and it's just right, then, then I'll lift up my hands, right? Like, oh, Carrie oh, Joe. thank you, Jesus, for Carrie Joe. But the moment someone sings some Chris Tomlin, you're just like, nope, put my hands back down. That's not a knock on Chris Tomlin. I love him. I just don't want to sing any more Christaman songs. Anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't don't nobody send me an email. But we worship him. (laughs) We worship him because he's worthy of it. It's not about the feelings. You know what's some you know what's cool? The feelings when come will come after you 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 follow suit. The feelings come after you force yourself and say, you know what, I'm gonna worship him because he's worthy. I know my situation looks nasty and oh, I don't know how, but I'm gonna worship him. And the feelings come. In fact, worship is not even about the feelings. It's about Jesus. It's about ascribing to him the glory that is due his name. The only reason why we get to receive anything from worship and praise is because he's good and faithful. It's for him. It's meant for him. It's all his. And if we have a feeling that follows, praise the Lord. But he's worthy of it, friends. So we, we direct our praise in the right direction. Look what it says in verse 43 of that same passage in John chapter 12, right? They, they were afraid of the Pharisees to be put out of the synagogue, but look what it says, for they loved praise from men more than praise from God. What's causing you to not jump in? You may be saying right now, pastor, you don't, you don't understand. Like, let's just, have, let's just have an honest moment. You may be saying it's easy for you to stand up there and say, praise God, and worship God, but you don't understand. You don't know what I've been through, is what you would say to me. And if we were having this interaction, I would lovingly put my arm on your shoulder and tell you two things. The first one would be this Homie, you don't know what I've been through. So let's not pretend like, uh, but let, let's assume that we, we are comparing scars, and, and yours are worse. Let's say we compared scars in the entire church and yours were the worst. Let's say nobody's ever loved you. You've always, you've been fed rocks as a kid. People threw rocks at you and then they fed you. them. Like like, you've had the worst life there's ever been. Can can, can I say this? There are still people who've lived worse than you and still give God praise. I've been to Haiti and I've held orphans, not kids who were abandoned, but kids whose parents died in hurricanes, whose homes were completely left in, in, in ashes almost, burnt down, having nothing but the rags on their back, not even clothes, but rags on their back, and whatever food the orphanage fed them in their tummy. I've held these kids, and they praise Jesus harder than some people I know in America. So don't tell me, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I know kids who've gone through far worse that still continue to praise Jesus. But but can can we set a foundation here? Not only can we point to people who've had life worse than us, but I believe we can point to a God who's experienced every single pain that we have. Think of Jesus, the darling of heaven, heaven perfected, the image of god in the flesh comes down into the earth he experiences pain he experiences frustration he experiences disappointment he experiences abandonment he gets his heart broken multiple times he performs miracle for ungrateful individuals he 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 delivers a people who then give him over to the romans who then flog him, beat him, spit on him, mock him, send them off to Calvary. I mean, you want to compare scars, he still bears his on his hands and feet. He still has his on his side. Didn't deserve a lick of it, but did it for you and I. You want to talk about feeling frustration and pain and hurt and embarrassment, stripped naked, paraded around a city for you and I. He knows pain, but here's something about Jesus. He knows praise in the midst of pain. You know, what's beautiful is that in the scriptures, we see the recordings of what he has said on the cross, and among them, we see him forgive people. We see him continue to praise his father Not because Jesus was a glutton for punishment and was enjoying it, but no, Philippians clarifies it and says this, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. What was the joy? The fact that you and I would be able to direct our praise to God. Listen, we were created for praise. But sin somehow f- fixed and shifted our focus to other things. The job, the girl, the guy, the, 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 the degree, the, the, the money, the chains, the uh, whatever it is, like, like like all of that stuff. And Jesus came to refix our focus on what should be praised. And it's a personal praise, and it's Him. Let's focus our praise not because what we've been experiencing god has been doing some powerful things at mwc but if this ceiling collapsed on itself and we lost everything guess what we would still praise him cuz he's worthy of it we praise him for who he is. We praise him for 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 what he has done, and we praise him for what he will do. Listen, no matter what he is currently doing, no matter what is currently happening in your life, we serve a God who will come again, who will restore order, who will wipe every tear from every eye, who will heal every sickness and every disease, who will cancel every debt. And guess what? The debt of of sin has already been paid for. The debt of sorrow and sickness has already been paid for. And if you have yet to receive that, God. God would want you to receive that this morning. He is a God who is worthy of our praise. So can we give Him the praise? If you want to increase with th- in thankfulness, you know what's going to fill your thank tank, your ability to honor God and, and honor and celebrate people? Praising Jesus. Praising Jesus. And can I just say this? I, I, we're, we're, we're going to worship God in a second. But can can I just give this one application? God also wants us to increase in our praise, our honor of people, our celebration of people. You want to increase in thankfulness? Start honoring people. Thank that person. Love that person. Tell them what they've done for you. Show gratitude pastor. You don't understand what they've said. You don't understand what your sins have done and what God has done for you. Forgive to the degree degree that you have been forgiven. But let's point our praise to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's praise him this morning. Come on, let's praise him. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way. So be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at MWCWichita.com. That's MWCWichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.